Hey everyone, welcome to Delegami, the people's conversation with Travis and Kyra Gold. If you are new here and we have not yet had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Travis Gold and I'm the lead pastor at For the People's Church located in downtown Los Angeles. And my name is Kyra Gold. We are married and have an incredible son named Axel who was born in March of 2020. On today's episode of Delegami, we're going to be reading through and unpacking Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. Woo! Now, there's a lot going on in Mark chapter 10, but for the sake of today's episode, we're going to focus on verses 32 through 45, where right after Jesus predicts his death again, James and John, two of the 12 disciples, come to Jesus with a request that exposes the condition of their hearts. Right. In Proverbs 16.2, we read, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So there is a lot we can learn from this passage that checks the condition of our heart. So let's jump right in, starting in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Verse 33, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Verse 36, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Verse 38. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Verse 40. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. This passage starts out with Jesus describing what will happen to him. Mm. He starts out detailing the humiliating death he will endure for the joy set before him. He starts out unpacking what will come to be known as the most all-provoking event in the history of mankind. Amen. A perfect God dying for a sinful man. Wow. He is sharing this with the twelve, and then something all too familiar happens. We see pride rise up in two of his faithful disciples. Mm. He barely gets out the words that he will rise again after three days. And we see John and James conspiring to attain glory for themselves. Mm -hmm. Some status, if you will. He is about to suffer, be forsaken by the Father so that we would never have to be. Mm. 
Mm. He is sharing this. And instead of sitting in awe at the grace that has been given to them in Christ Jesus, they instead are looking for ways to use Jesus to exalt themselves. Wow. If these disciples, those who were living with Jesus, who were ministering with Jesus, who loved Jesus and were instrumental to his earthly ministry, if even they were susceptible to the deception of significance, entitlement, and glory chasing, what on earth makes us think that we somehow will be excused from it? True. That somehow we are immune to it. That's real. We would be naive and unarmed for battle without acknowledging mm. this truth. And that's the heart of what why we're hanging out in this passage today. It's an important conversation for so many reasons. Right. Let's unpack it a little bit more together. So with all of that being said, let's jump right into the conversation on Mark 10 verses 32 through 45. Let's do it. Let's revisit 35 and 36 again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Verse 36, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, what do you want Jesus to do for you? He asked them this question and their answer is revealing. In verse 37, they replied, Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. So James and John wanted Jesus to give them a position that exalted themselves. Kyra was just mentioning it, a position mm-hmm. of power and prominence and status. Something that many of us who are sincerely in love with Jesus and are genuinely following him still have lurking deep within our hearts because of our natural waywardness where we desire to go our own way. Right. And sometimes from that position we drift and we think we've earned something from Jesus because of our commitment and sacrifice to him and we can easily slip into entitlement and expect him to make our lives a little bit more comfortable, make our ministry a little bit more fruitful, make our relationships a little less messy because we have endured and quote unquote put the work in. Mm. We want a little bit more for our humility. I'm not like those other guys. I'm humble. Don't I deserve a little bit more than them, Jesus? And to think this way is both tragic and foolish. Right. So as Christians, as those who submit our lives to Jesus as Lord, we are not immune to this allure and flattery of this temptation to want power and prominence for personal glory like James and John here in Mark 10. We need a constant reminder to our flesh that it's all about his glory not our own. Amen. Jesus says in John fourteen thirteen, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. Elsewhere in John fifteen eight, Jesus says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This life is about his glory, not our own. Amen. Amen. Let's continue in verse 38. So in verse 38, Jesus replies and he says, you don't know what you are asking. Hmm. So often when we come to Jesus, we don't do so with our eyes open. Hmm. In fact, oftentimes we want to do it with our eyes closed to the cost and claims of following him. Wow, that's so real. It is so easy to see his promises and completely ignore the warnings embedded in them. Mm. 
For example, we'll read in Romans 8.39 that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. But we don't see the warning within that, uh, that there will clearly be many things in all of creation that set themselves up to separate us from the love of Christ. Mm, Things that will try to deceive us into not believing this truth. Mm. We read famously in Isaiah 54.17, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Right. And this is their vindication from me, mm-hmm. declares the Lord. Right. We read that, but we don't read that the weapon will still be forged wow. and that tongues will refute and accuse you. Mm. That is why I love how Jude opens up his book. Right. In Jude verse three, he says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Mm, That's good, Jude. With that being said, many of us are asking to be great because we are obedient. Mm. Just as you were saying, Trav, we think somehow we've earned some level of greatness Mm. due to our sacrifice or commitment to Christ. Mm. So many of us are are asking God to be great because we've been obedient, but we have no idea what greatness really means in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's real. Whereas we read in Matthew 20, 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we think we are securing status through our faithful obedience. Mm. Because I obeyed, I have worldly, I'll have worldly success. Mm. But obedience isn't a pathway to getting what you want. <laughs> Instead, it's in growing in Christ's likeness. It's mm-hmm. by the power and work of the Holy Spirit so that we might look more like Jesus. Right. And growing in Christ's likeness often comes with being misunderstood. Wow. Because the real thing next to the counterfeit, it stands starkly apart in beauty, but also in persecution. That's so real. So where we think we are acquiring earthly status in the kingdom, we're actually securing suffering on the side of eternity in his name. Whoa. Jesus himself tells us this in Luke 21, 17. Everyone will hate you because of me. Mm. So leadership in God's design doesn't mean self-serving power. Right. In Jesus, leadership in the church isn't about power and privilege at all, but instead about service and sacrifice. Amen. In the church of Acts, we see that leading a church meant risking your life. Mm. (laughs) And all throughout the global church today, it's the same thing. Leading a church, serving in the church means risking your life. Mm. It doesn't mean glitz and glam. It means risking your life. And that's what it should mean for us. Mm. It might not mean risking our lives in the same way, but the words of Jesus still ring true. We are to give up everything Mm -hmm. if we are to be his disciples. Mm -hmm. You know, so my encouragement to you here is know that we've gained every good thing in Christ. Wow, so good, so humbling. Uh, yes, we have gained everything good in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's continue with verse 40. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. We read Matthew's account of the same story In Matthew 20, verse 23, where Jesus says, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Mm. 
And we also read in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. In all three of these verses, the common Greek word for prepared is hetoimos, which means ready because already prepared, something that is made ready in advance. Mm. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. Mm, so it is God who assigns, it is God who determines, and it is God who prepares. Come on. He is the creator of all. We are his creation. He initiates, we respond. So it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy, as we read in Romans chapter 9, verse 16. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. So, so encouraging and so challenging. Mm. Let's continue in verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. To be indignant here means to grieve much, to make angry, to be annoyed. Mm. James and John had began to subtly yearn that their ministry with Jesus would provide them a platform for significance. A platform for greatness, Mm. a greatness that's recognized by the world. Mm. How often do we do the same thing? Well, where we drown in discontentment with where he's placed us in his name and what he's placed in our hands for his glory. Mm, That's real. This is destructive to his community. Mm. This is destructive to the communities God has placed us in for his glory in his name. That's true. Wow. In these verses, we see that the desires of the flesh for worldly greatness in the age to come began to create division and hostility in the community and their community of the 12 disciples. (laughs) Yeah, wow. The 10 were indignant. Mm. They were angry and annoyed at this unfair pursuit. Mm. Notice that Jesus did not stop this from happening. Mm. He could have. When they came up to him and said, teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. He could have (laughs) shut it down right then and there. Totally. But he didn't. He did not stop this damage or this blow, if you will, from taking place. And all of us who have been in the church can attest to the fact that he still does not stop Mm. it to this day. Mm. Selfish ambition in quote unquote his name continues in each of us in different ways. Mm. James and John were chosen by God. Mm. Dearly loved and cherished, gifted, appointed, called, faithful and fruitful. Mm. As a part of the 12, they were central to Jesus's earthly ministry. Mm. And he, in grace and kindness, heard their desires. Well, what we must recognize here is that their closeness to Jesus did not make them immune to impure desires. Mm. They were with him every day for three years, Mm. learning directly from the Messiah himself. Wow. And their faithfulness and proximity to Jesus' ministry did not mean that everything they did, said, or desired was approved by God. His grace on their lives did not signify an approval for their sin. Mm. 
not everything they wanted or did in his name was good or actually advancing the mission of Jesus, Mm. even though they were a part of his earthly ministry. Wow. Not everything they said was helpful to the cause of Christ. True. We see in this passage that God did not give them such immunity. Mm -hmm. And we must be humble enough to recognize that in ourselves. That Mm. we too do not have such immunity. Yeah. That is why we need to check the desires of our heart to test every thought. Yes, Lord. In accordance with what he has revealed about himself and his will for his children and his word. Amen. Jesus in this passage, he responds with such love and kindness. He hears his beloved brothers, James and John, and their request. Mm. And he lovingly responds in truth. Amen. Check the motivations of your heart in your pursuits in ministry. Jesus shows us through this passage that it is possible for ministry leaders, for you and for I, to desire greatness in ways no different from anyone anywhere in the world. Mm. Simply attaching Jesus' name to these sinful desires doesn't change the fact that they are indeed sinful. Mm. Wow. And that they look just like the desires of the world to which we are called not to be conformed by. Wow. But instead we are, we are told to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Mm. We read that specifically in Romans eight, verse 13, Mm. where Paul says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But Mm. if by the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Amen. I am so thankful that God does not leave us as orphans and gives us and pours out his spirit on us. Uh, Man, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Come on. Amen. We read in Romans 13 that all authority is God's. Romans Mm -hmm. 13, 1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. Mm. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Mm. The Greek term for authority here is the word exousia. Mm. And exousia in short is God's delegated authority. It refers to the authority God gives to his saints, authorizing them to act to the extent they are guided by his spirit and guarded by his word. Come on. So if you have delegated authority given to you by God, you have a responsibility to serve in a specific way for God's glory because God appointed you in that position to be a vessel for his glory, not your own. Amen. And it's important to mention that all authority that he delegates is temporary. It flows from God and will be returned to God. We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25. Then the end will come when he, meaning Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Therefore, anyone who possesses authority should handle their delegated authority with great humility. 
We don't flaunt it. We don't broadcast it or abuse it. We practice the servant leadership that Jesus exemplified. Amen. Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8 says it this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's our king, y'all. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant to serve you with salvation. Come on. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if you want to be great, then model his greatness. Submit to his greatness. Come on. When the greatest greatness came into our world, it was not in a palace, but in a barn. And he was laid in a trough that fed livestock. Yeah. He walked from town to town without a home or place to rest his head. He was rejected in his own home in his own hometown. Mm -hmm. And when he called these fractured and broken men to be his disciples, he knelt and washed their feet, leaving us an example to do as he has done for us. The king of kings, the greatest of all time, humbled himself to the point of death even the most humiliating and painful kind of death. True greatness gave his life in love for you. Come on, amen, amen. To conclude this conversation, let's take a look at 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 through 17, starting in verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Before that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our lives are to reflect God's greatness, not our own. It is to show his immense patience as an example, as evidence to what he says about himself in his words so that people might believe. That is the purpose of our testimonies, not to talk about ourselves, but instead to show how God through Christ saved us. This means that true greatness, it shows up in the details of the day today. True greatness shows up in the seemingly mundane of other people's lives. If you aspire to be great in the kingdom, then you have to give yourself to the small. That's good. To the overlooked around you in his name for his glory so that he might be seen as majestic as he is. So that he might be seen in right relation to his creation. Yep. Jesus died that you might live. Amen. Purchased by his blood, your life was called to be laid down in love for him and for others. That is how you walk in the greatness that he purchased for you. So what does this mean for application? It means that you cannot negotiate or compromise with your pride. You must kill it. Oof. 
our pride, it, it presents itself to us as our best friend. It has our back. It's quick to defend us even when we're wrong, especially if we're wrong. Pride has our back because pride wants us to stay the same. That's how it keeps food on the table, right? When we feed our pride, it spreads, taking more territory in our hearts. That's real. Which is so incredibly destructive. And before we know it, we start to see ourselves as God, with a lowercase g, of course. (laughs) And Jesus simply becomes an accessory. Mm-hmm to our lives so don't compromise with your pride let that thing die crucify your flesh by the power and work of his spirit that dwells in his children and remember that it is god who prepares your place you don't earn it it's an undeserved gift amen thank you jesus that in you each of us can use whatever gift we have received by the power and work of the Holy Spirit to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. May your name be hallowed and your will be done. And to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, that's going to be it for now. Thank you so much for listening. We are so humbled that you are here. And if you would like to support this free resource, check out the link in the description of this episode. And if you feel led, we would also love to hear from you, whether that's it through an email, DM, or a review on Apple Podcasts to hear about what the Lord is highlighting to you through his word in each episode. Keep a lookout for new episodes weekly on Mondays as the Lord wills it. And in the meantime, remember to always what? Love God, love his church, and faithfully build your foundation on him. In Christ with prayers and love, Dialegami, the people's conversation with Travis and Kyra Gold. Peace. See you next time.